Amen. Thank you, Jill, Ben. Uh, thank you all for just staying with us. A lot of tech issues. Thank you to Jordan Chong, who just, you know, faithfully worked really hard at getting it up for us. Uh, you know, I wonder if they had tech problems in the early church, you know, in their house churches. Maybe it was like, the wind's too strong, Philip. I don't know. Um, all right, if you have a Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're in the book of 2 Corinthians this morning and next week, we're going to be talking about something that's really close to the Father's heart, uh, that really is in his person, who he is, and we're talking about generosity, generosity and money, and so please turn with me to 2 Corinthians 8, as you do, let me start us off with a story from Alexander the Great's life I came across in my study, and then we will read our passage We'll walk in, and then we'll walk through it. Okay, so as the story is told, there was a beggar on the road begging for alms and begging you know, quite passionately to Alexander as he was coming in on the horse. And, and this man, uh, as the story is told, he was very, very beaten up, very raggedy, very poor. He had no honor, no natural right to even cry out to someone like Alexander, such a great ruler. But, but he's just begging nonetheless. And... and um, especially in that time, he would have been looked down, but he didn't care. He was begging and begging and begging. But as the story goes, the emperor stops and he throws him several golden coins. And Alexander's, his right-hand man or his assistant turns to him and said, sir, copper coins would adequately meet the beggar's needs. Why give him gold? And, Alexand and Alexander the Great replies, copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins would... Gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Generosity and the heart of God. Let's begin with uh, our text. So to do that, take it away, McMurray's. 2 Corinthians 8, encouragement to give generously. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so we should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and all love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year, year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now, finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what the person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their needs so that the abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over 
and whoever gathered little had no lack. Commendation of Titus, but thanks be to God, who put in the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going out to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that has been being ministered to us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered to us. For we aim to at what is honorable and only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. And with them, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in any manners, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Amen. All right. Thank you. Love the McMurrays. The great reading. Uh, let, me, let me open us up in a word of prayer. So, Father, we just we thank you for the timeliness of this chapter in our own lives, and I just want to thank you that your grace is sufficient. Your grace produces generosity. Your, the heart of the Father, the heart of the Trinity is to give, and I just, I thank you for this message, and I just want to ask that as we hear that, Lord, if there are uh, areas in our heart that maybe are are blocking us from the generosity that is there is your spirit in us would you break those today if there's lord excuses that we that we often come with would you just remove those today i just i pray that you your word would come into our lives in such a way that we would be changed by this text today by this sermon and so i ask holy spirit that you would now empower me with grace Empower me with the gifts you've given, and I pray that we would just love this text. We would love what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, to guide our time, uh, we're going to look at the whole chapter, but I want to break it down in four points to help us follow together. Uh, and these will be on the screen. Number one, we're going to look at an empowering example. An empowering example. Number two, how the gospel renovates our generosity. How does it renovate? How does it take out and create new, motivate in generosity? Uh, number three, uh, we're going to look at don't slow down in generosity. Don't slow down. And number four, integrity with money. Those will be the four parts of chapter eight we'll look at in four sections. So number one, an empowering example. And I chose the word empowering uh, because this is Paul's heart in giving this example. Examples have a role for us to look at, and the role is to empower us, that we would see it, come alive to it, want it to be true for us as well. So let's look at where Paul goes with this. He says this in verse 1, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given or granted to among the churches of Macedonia. So he's not talking about their church, but the churches of Macedonia for, in a severe test of affliction, 
their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. We'll just stop there. An empowering example. Paul goes, brothers and sisters, I, I gotta tell you something I witnessed. Like I was there to see it. It's not what we expected at all. God came upon this church with a supernatural grace and you need to know this. This church was being persecuted. They were losing businesses. They were being cast aside, ripped off, taken advantage of, all of it. They were going into extreme poverty and get this, they weren't clinging to any of it. He, he's like, church, there was nothing like this kind of generosity. It wasn't safe. It wasn't calculated. It was a dynamic presence of grace like I've never seen before. It, it wasn't natural. It was, it was, you know, they were smiling. They, were, they had this joy. They couldn't give enough. They were like, take more. Let, 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 us, let me help the church in Jerusalem. There's a famine there. Let's just take what we have. What an example. What an example. Uh, let me, you know, personally, I've never come close, and I, I'm sure most of us haven't, to the kind of poverty and situation that the Macedonians are going through. But as I was reading this, I, I sadly thought about how I respond to financial stress. And if anything, uh, it can be the opposite, right? If I'm in extreme poverty, if anything, I'm looking for who can bless me and where's the, what's the, you know, I'm not thinking where can I find another opportunity to, to be more generous. And so when I started reading that, I was like, oh God, I need this text today. I need this text. I need this grace today because often God's grace enabling generosity seen through others acting it out, seeing through others' generosity will, will, will act like a um, defibrillator. You know what I'm talking about? Like where you, It'll act like a look at their example and it'll awaken something in me and that's what I want. That's what I want for us. That's what Paul wants for the church in Corinth and so let me just say, we need examples of this kind of abandonment, this kind of ge like generosity, this kind of grace of God flowing through us. Um, but look, look at with me at verse five, and, and this kind of leads us into the ex where this is all coming from. It says this, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You know, they responded to him first. There was something in the Macedonian church where they knew it not only did it all belong to him, but they belonged to him. They, they gave themselves first to who owned them, and as a result, they were free from their, this need for things as security or a personal definition. They were just, it, was, it wasn't theirs to hold on to. Uh, what was greater to them than money when the grace of God was pouring out was the kingdom of God's grace and, and power. And you see this joy. Look at verse two. I just wanna highlight this example. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Uh, John Piper, he makes this comment. He says, how did such countercultural and counternatural behavior come about? How were, how were the Christians freed from the natural love of money and comfort? Part of the answer in verse two is that their abundance of joy overflowed. 
joy in something else had severed the root of joy in money. They had been freed by joy to give to the poor, but where did this powerful, unearthly joy come from? The answer is that it came from the grace of God. What the Corinthians, as well as you and I, are supposed to learn from this story is that the same grace that was given in Macedonia is available now. Now in Corinth and now to us. And uh, I, I just began this week just praying for this grace. Release and generosity. Like if someone asked, um, so I was reflecting on this, you know, what was James like? So, you know, if you, you know, let's just, you know, James passed away or whatever it was. What was James like? How would you describe him? One of the things I want people to say is, is Generosity. That, that he was actively alive with God in such a way that the grace was flowing through generosity. Um, I'm so thankful for the examples I've seen in our, in our church and at the shore. It's always just triggers the generosity when you see it. Uh, I, was, I was struck recently by um, one of our members, Jenny Wong, who uh, just saw a huge need at harvest and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what God's given me in, in my role at uh, sweat, and I'm going to put on these these free things so that we can raise money for harvest and mat. I mean, just this generosity when you see need pouring out, like it's it's it it triggers you to want to do more. In Acts 20, we read this of of from Paul. He says, "In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, it is more blessed, more happy.'" more joy-giving to give than to receive. So one of the questions that came to mind just as we move on from this example was are, are you willing to be the example? Like are you willing to be, sign me up. Sign me up. Do, do you and I want this kind of life of generosity? Do we want the grace and generosity um, so, so, you know, part of us are like, yes, but maybe there's a but, but let, let's, let's go to where, where Paul goes next, how the gospel renovates our generosity. So what is the gospel impact on our money? Well, look at verse six. He says this, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And then look at verse eight. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. That your love is also genuine. Uh, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I think it was Amy Carmichael who said that, but you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. L love is giving. Love is substitutional. Love is the other, is more important. Love is at the heart of God's being. Right, in John three sixteen, this is, for God so loved the world that, what's, what's, what comes next, that he gave. He gave. Love is about giving. Love is about acting against yourself for the good and the well-being of another. 
Uh, if, if you and I want to become more like Jesus, if that's in the, the goal of your 2021, becoming more and more like Jesus, uh, we must learn to be generous. We, we, we must learn to be generous more and more every year, every month, and on and on. Gen- generosity, I mean, this is what he's saying in the text. He says, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And, and you know, sometimes we think just finances, but gen- are you a generous person with your words? Do you give away compliments? Are you, are you generous with your affirmation? Are you generous with your time? Are you generous with what is his? Do you see everything is his to be given away? Excel, he says, in this act of grace. Let your love be genuine. Um, sure, let me just say this. Our only antidote to materialism, our only antidote to wanting more, oh, I need that, or I gotta add that to my life, the only antidote to more of that air we breathe on the North Shore is generosity. It's generosity. And then Paul helps us root this and fuel this in the gospel. Look at what he says linking this in verse nine, for or because, so he's like, excel in this act of grace and being generous and and let your love is genuine. And then he says this, because you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. Jesus gave everything. Though he was rich, Paul says, he owns, like he owns everything. It's all mine, Psalm says. What do you have that you did not receive? It all belongs to me, a thousand cattle's on the hill. He, he was rich, though he was creator of God, rich in every sense of the being, rich in trinity and community and full of every attribute of love and mercy and grace. I mean, just rich. Though he was rich yet for our sake, he, he saw into the poverty of our hearts. He saw into the spiritual poverty of our destiny eternally. The judgment and wrath of, he saw the brokenness. He saw the hurts. He saw the guilt. He saw your sin. He saw the spiritual bankruptcy. And for our sake, seeing our needs, seeing our separation from our Father who made us and built us to be with him, yet for our sake, he became poor. For our sake, he left heaven, he left the riches, he left all of that, and he became poor. He took it on, he became flesh. And the Bible says when he went to the cross, he came as a perfect substitute. All of our sin, all of our guilt, all of what we owe, the, the, the poorest of all of our spiritual place went on Jesus and he died. He paid the penalty so that by his death, his poverty, his being human representing us, we get everything he had. We get it all. We we have an experience of heaven eternal. You know, there's a reason why the Bible tells us that the streets are gold, like like these giant pillars are pearl. The riches of all that God has all that he is, everything Jesus is, the fullness of life within us, new life, it comes to us in Jesus. That's the, that's the renovation. That's the motivation. So how does that renovate us? Well, let me just say this. Something happens to that stuff and our grip 
on it and what it brings into us when we really see Jesus, when we see his size, when we see his cross, when we see his love, when, when we see like the riches of adoption, the riches of, of family, the riches of acceptance, the riches I'll give you my righteousness, the riches of power, I will put my life within you, the riches of his presence. When, when, when Jesus Christ becomes that, the other stuff wants to represent him more. Go, there, there's something better. Uh, one commentator, um, he, he gave this illustration. It's a little long, but I, I felt like I needed to share it. He says this, if you were dying and you knew you were dying and I came to you and I said, guess what? I'm a doctor. The Food and Drug Administration has finally just let out this particular kind of medicine and it will definitely cure you. Only this medicine will cure you. It's, it's 100% sure to cure you. However, you may not want to pay for it because it's extremely expensive. I mean, you, you may have to sell your home and, and live with a friend. You might have to get rid of your, this is pretty old here, your compact displayer. You might have to sell your stock. You might have to, you might have to impoverish yourself. So you probably don't want this medicine. You would look at me and you would say, are you kidding? What good is my compact displayer if I don't have that medicine? What good is my home if I don't have this medicine? All these things that used to be so important to me, they used to give me so much meaning, these things suddenly are pale. It's almost like when that medicine comes, it's like the sun has come out so I, can, I can't see the stars. All these other things that used to be important to me are now expendable. This is so precious to me that all these other things are little if I don't have that. To us, to you who have believed in Jesus Christ, he is that precious medicine. And everything else in your life that used to define you, used to bring you a sense of well-being and this kind of security has now become eternally and utterly expendable. Man, just, it, it, the gospel changes the way you look at all that you have. As we consider how rich we become when he gave us everything, that, that begins to renovate. It begins to motivate us to, to look at others who are, who are poor and, and, and see who we were when we were poor and how Jesus came and he look at, look at the giving God's called us to be generous and we go, I, he owns it all, I wanna give, this is not for me, I gotta, this is for others. We get to display what the Father's heart is like. So if that's how the gospel renovates our generosity, listen to what Paul goes on to say. Number three, he says, don't slow down in generosity. Don't slow down. Look at verse 10. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago, you started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now, finish. He's like, don't slow down in generosity. Finish doing it as well so that your, now listen to this word, that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Readiness. I, lo I love the word readiness because it invites us to not be slow or, or forgetful or absent-minded or distracted in materialism. Uh, he's like, just readiness in generosity, readiness is, is you're always ready in your wallet to give. It, readiness is it comes out of, automatically out of your bank. Readiness is you're waking up to be generous in life. 
with Jesus, with your words, with your time. It's this, it's this action readiness. Proverbs 21, 26 says, the righteous gives and does not hold back. And so as we talk about not slowing down in generosity, as he, as he speaks to us, as God speaks to us, as, as, as he writes this, he gives us a little help here. So, so help us out, Paul. Look at verse 12. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and, you're, and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness or equality, your abundance at the present time should supply their needs so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Both had what they needed. It's interesting, Paul there is, he has Exodus in mind when God gave the manna to different family sizes in Exodus 12, I mean Exodus 16, and you'd have a larger family and the manna would come and they would, get a, they would collect a lot more than you, but they, everyone had what they needed. There was this equality and fairness. And, and he envisions this church, looking at the church in Jerusalem right now that's going through a crazy famine. And he, he sees the Macedonians giving and he's like, now it's keep going, keep finishing what you began you know, he's like, with this in view, like, you don't, don't, if you don't have the means, I'm not telling you that you should go into debt to give, but, but we still give. In verse 14, he says, they have abundance at this time. And so he knew this, in their life right now, they had funds beyond their bills every day, and, and they had hearts that began. This is the point, I think, that Paul would say, say to us, that Jesus would want to say to us. And what happened is they began to slow down. They began to slow down, and he's going, don't, don't slow down in, in generosity. And now, I, I just want to speak to us as a shore. I think if you were a person that felt God's presence in giving, like, like when you first gave your life to Jesus, it was, it was you enjoyed the generosity. You just kept, you couldn't stop giving people things. And, and, and God began to bless you and you had more and you just kept giving it away and you were so excited about being generous that you, it was a part of the way you loved your life with God and, and all of a sudden maybe a new hobby came in or uh, maybe you had your first child and so you had some fear or like I gotta, you know, store up and, and be a steward and, and uncertainty maybe in your life caused you to panic and, and all of a sudden, that kind of love for generosity, that kind of undone being abandoned to God, um, just kind of drifted away. I, the Father may be speaking to you to say, I want to spark that up again. Like, trust me. Trust me. You know, th th there's a few times where God says, test me in this. And when it's giving, he says, watch, watch, trust me in this. And I, I bring that up because I, I trust in the providence of God. Like the Father has us, the shore, the, the, this people in 2 Corinthians today. Like this is our text today, which means he has a word from him for us in this living word because the word is active and living. And I wonder if that's you, and if it is you, and I know it's, it's to a degree all of us, um, would you just bring that, to the Father today. Say, say, I think that was me. And um, man, I spent a lot of time in prayer in studying this. 
just, I was confessing a lot of, of like why, why is generosity not a part of just the way maybe I'm generous with time or other things, why is money, where, you know, just, I was asking God, thinking with God, and I began to uh, just ask him for the grace to become more generous, like release that, and, and, and I thought here, you know what, for this church, this is what was in front of them, and I asked the Lord, what, what are the next steps for me, what do you have for me, and uh, early on he gave me a number in my mind to give, and uh, so I tested it, you know, prayed and prayed and prayed, same number came to my mind, and so uh, I got to give it, and, and I'll tell you what happened. I, I had this kind of joy and anticipation of, of faith spark up in me, you know, and of course, you know, like, oh, don't you have a car payment, and haven't you seen how much four kids eat, and that, like, all of that stuff comes in, but I just go, this is real, he's God, if he, whatever is in front of you and he calls you to give, we, we move it with faith. And all the buts will come in, but we need to hold on to the promises of God. We'll, we'll look at more of that next week, but we're in this text because of his plan and grace for one another and our city. And so can I just say, God has a call for us in this passage to continue on, to not slow down in generosity. Are you known as a generous person? in finances? Are you generous in words and compliments? Are you generous in your tithing? Are you generous, are you robbing God? Are you generous with your time? Are you generous without being in control? Are you like Jesus in that way as Jesus is generous with you? Remember Jesus' word to a church that, that, that said a lot and they they made a lot of claims, and, and James has to write, he says this in James 2, 16, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? All I want to say is don't slow down. Don't slow down. If you found yourself slowing down, the, may the grace of God just fill you up to keep going. Number, number four, we, look, we see in this passage an interesting and really important part of the church's life, integrity with money. He, he wants them to know as their money is coming in and going to be transferred all the way to Jerusalem, it's not like going to be an e-transfer, it's going to be real people. So he has to just speak into the, hey, let me commend some people that are going to be holding the cash. So, so listen to what he says. But thanks be to God who put it into the heart, this is all a supernatural work of God, the heart of Titus, the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, watch this, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. You know, commentators debate who that is, more than likely Apollos. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches, as Titus, to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us, for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill, we take this course so that no one should blame us. Integrity, 
about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Okay, you, see, you just see a few things in this I'll highlight. Number one, Titus, Titus is being commended. You can trust him. He's got integrity. He's got my stamp on him. He's with us. He's crazy in love with you. You know him. There's integrity. You've been around him. But, but watch this. Paul insists that Titus be accompanied by two others. Um, maybe he knows out of love for Titus, that would protect him, especially if any you know, potential dangers or charges or accusations came against any suspicion about what Titus did with them. No. And um, he, he says, we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift. One, one principle here, and I think this is so important, uh, we shouldn't entrust the financial concerns of a church to only one person. No matter how diligent, mature, involved, honest he or she has been in the past, this is why you know, we have a finance committee here at the shore, why we have multiple check signers and, and certain balances and, and documentation, and we have the elder. So I just, you know, I, I was actually a part of a church in Chicago where they gave uh, one person the keys to all the money and she was spending it. Uh, it was really, really sad and was really, really real. But you just see this integrity with money. But as we close, I just... Let me pull this all together. I want us to notice one phrase at the end of verse 23 and then another one at 21, but he says this in verse 23, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, in verse 21, for the glory of Jesus, that he looked great. I just, we just need to say anything that detracts from or diminishes the preeminence of Christ, who this is about, who our giving is about, who sees our giving, who we can trust it with. In, in all of our financial integrity, it's all about displaying God's glory. God's glory is the goal. Getting more of him is the goal. Spreading his generosity is the goal. Making him known and being generous is the goal. That's the goal. And and. And there's a, if that's the goal, control won't be the goal. Sometimes when we, when we get finances, we think, oh, I, 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 I can control this a bit. How many of you know when you're generous with your finances, there just seems to be more than enough you'll need? But then the moment you start going, oh, I better just save and control, control, and not be generous, and, you know, I felt like I should give, but I shouldn't, all of a sudden you don't have what you need and you kind of feel like, oh, why is my bank running? And you, and you just get overly stressed and anxious. Oftentimes it's rooted in selfishness. See, selfishness in giving has expectations. Generosity is when you give and expect nothing in return. It's just who you are. It's, it's love. You give and um, you, you give because you're a generous person. 
I, I guess I'd, I want to say this. What, what are you going to do about being generous? You know, what, what excuses are coming to mind, if they are, that if Jesus was with you right now, you would go, why am I afraid? Like, is this, is this how you feel? I mean, you own it all, and it's all from you, and my mind is from you, and that job that came up, you know, I worked hard, but that was from you. My ability to work hard was from you, and it's all from you. And I, I, I can sincerely say I'm excited to see, at least in my own life, and I know for many of you, just that generous unleashing of, of God. I mean, I mean we're, this week and next week, we're just gonna be getting into it more. And so I encourage you, in between these two Sundays, get some time with the Lord. Give him permission in your generosity. Ask him those hard questions. Um, may we be marked by integrity and generosity for Jesus' sake. I, um, I had a, I don't know if this was a kind of God's providence and him speaking to me, but I had, I had a moment where uh, I was in line buying some bagels and I grabbed my wallet and I opened it and I went to get like my bagel stamp card because you get free, you know, if you buy 12. Um, and I saw there was a $20 bill in there. And I was like, oh, I didn't know I had a $20 bill in my wallet. And the thought that came to my mind was, what if you always had a $20 bill in your wallet to give away? It was always there to give away. And you know what my first thought was? So, so I mean like when you're walking down the street and someone's asking for anything, you're in front of any grocery store, the Bible says if, you ask, like, if they ask to give, ask those who give, that you just go, yeah, I actually have a 20 in my wallet to give. My first thought was, maybe make it a five. That was my first thought. And then I said, mm-mm, mm-mm. What came to my mind right away why I shared that story was copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. And what if we gave generously? What if we always had a 20 to give? What if we just gave expecting God? What if we gave and were transformed by the generosity of the grace that's in Christ Jesus? Charles Spurgeon, he said this, we have all things and abound, not because I have a good store of money in the bank, not because I have skill and wit with which to win my bread, but because the Lord is my shepherd. Do we believe that? Does our generosity believe, as we saw last week, have you seen my size? The only way to know is to test. So I'm going to invite the band up here, and I'm, I want to I invite you to pray something. And I want you to, um, I actually, you know, Paul says it a few times in this chapter. He says, I want you to want to do this. And so... You know, there, there's an aspect of grace that the Father's got to come in and do this. You can't force this upon you. But if you're in a place today where, you know, money always is that kind of ah, touchy place. I don't want to talk about giving and giving to the Lord. And, and you almost feel like you've got you to drive the wheel of your finances. I, I, I want to ask that you would consider reading this prayer and then praying it. But if you're not ready to pray it, don't pray it. But I want to read the prayer and then I'm, I'm, I ask Jill to play some just a little bit of guitar right now. And I'm gonna give us probably just you know, a minute of just guitar playing for you to just 
pray it, pray how you're feeling right now, but just before we begin to sing and respond and we, and we go into communion, I just want this message to sit a little longer. And so here's the prayer. It's Father, release a kind of grace in my life that overflows in generosity. It was his grace in the Macedonian church. It wasn't a try hard to give, it was a, it was a grace. So Father, release a kind of grace in my life that overflows in generosity. And then this is a discipleship prayer. Develop in me a lifestyle of generosity. Develop in me a lifestyle of generosity. And then this is a heart prayer. Ground my identity so deep in the gospel that I don't ask, can I afford it? But what opportunity are you giving me to give what's always been yours in Jesus' name? Ground my identity. I'm deeply loved, he will take care of me, that when the opportunity to be generous arises, you're not thinking, can I afford that? You're thinking, where is the Father moving? That's an identity piece. And so if this is on your heart and you wanna pray it, I'm just gonna give you a few seconds here, and then Jill, you can lead us in to a time of response.